Hey, dummies. It's February 4th. Now, or, you know, that's when I'm recording this. Now, I know what you're thinking, uh, why are you telling me the date? Because in 10 days, it's going to be Valentine's Day. And if you have a girl, which I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm paying you the respect and assuming that you do, you're going to, she's going to want something. <laughs> no, girls, you know, that's what they're like. They just want stuff. They want presents. They want to know that you care about them, and that's a way that they consider you caring about them, is buying them stuff. Really inconveniencing yourself and uh, buying them something. They like inconvenient stuff. Um, so I got a, I have a, I have a secret way for you to, it's inconvenient, but it's not that inconvenient and you can do it, uh, over the, um, over your computer. Go to, you're going to go to proflowers.com. Here's the deal. Basically, look, man, if you don't get her something, she's going to be mad. And then you're basically not, not, it's just going to be, you're both, she's going to be sulking the whole day, acting like nothing's wrong. It's going to be a miserable day. So just do the, do what you can, which is go to proflowers.com. And uh, you're going to get – there's a couple offers. There's One offer is uh, you can get a dozen red roses uh, with a free glass vase for $29, bucks, 29.99, Or you can upgrade to uh, one dozen red roses with uh, a premium ruby vase and gourmet chocolates for $39.99. So, like, they're, like you're, this is good. They're, like, they're good roses. It's good chocolate. It'll, it'll, this will convince her that you care. You know, ProFlowers is quick, easy, and delivery on Valentine's Day is guaranteed. Just do it now. Go to ProFlowers.com, click on the blue microphone in the top right corner, and type in The Champs. T-H-E-C-H-A-M-P-S. That's ProFlowers.com. Click the microphone, type in The Champs. The deal expires soon. You're probably listening to this in the next week. Just do it now. Like, just go. Just pause, hit pause. Go to proflowers.com. Click the microphone. Type in the champs. Take care of you and your girl and all of your needs. Hi, everyone. I wish you could see us. This is Moshe. That was Neil. I wish you could see what we're doing right now. We're in the, we're in the parking lot of Arsenio Hall show. Everything's closed down. We're post-interview. It's a great episode. Everybody's gone. We're cold, but we remembered. We want to tell you about our stand-up. We guys know you love our dates. We know this we is your favorite part. We didn't want any. Don't fast forward. I know you. You're not going to. Why am I even telling you that? You love hearing us talk about no cities one. and dates. No one was fast forward. Uh, I'm not doing shit. Just download my album off iTunes. What is that album Neil Brennan, called? Women and Black Dudes. And if you live in L.A., come to my Sunday show in Santa Monica, 9 p.m. Five dollars. Five dollars is a good deal. Hey, it's yeah. Moshe. Uh, hey, February fifteenth, I'll be at the College of William and Mary in Williamsburg, Virginia. February twenty seventh through March first, Madison, Wisconsin, the Comedy Club on State. I'm in Charlotte, March sixth through eighth, and very important, this show is going to be good. April the April Fool's Day, New Orleans, One Eye Jacks with Tom Lennon and Natasha. Laugh Boston the weekend after that. It's just going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so yeah, you know what? Check this out. It's fucking Arsenio Hall. Ooh, it's a ooh, truly ooh, great interview. He's really funny and interesting and cool. Yeah, so listen. God, God bless. And this song is that I'm about to play is T-Pain's remix of the Lord Song Royal. And to quote Paul Mooney, it's all very, very black, homie. It's very black. It's very black. <laughs> Goodbye.
Now you're fucking with the champs. Hello, everybody. It's the Champs Podcast back once again. That's an exciting week. This is a this is an exciting week. Neil, tell us how excited you are. Well, our our guest today. Uh, I've been a he- I've bugged him via Twitter two years about doing this. Yes, yes, yes. And I wanted to do it. Uh, so I'm glad I'm finally here. Yeah. Oh, do you recognize the voice? Do you recognize that voice? I'm, I'm a fan, man. I'm a fan. Yeah, oh, I'm, I'm a, a fan, fan of your writing. And his glasses. Oh, thank yeah. you. That you know, I'm. I, you. I, I, that's what I care most about. That's how we glasses. differentiate ourselves, Motion, Mr. Glasses. Neil Brennan, a classic comedy writer, Motion Casher, a dude with dope glasses, and of course, you may recognize that voice. It's the one and only Arsenio Hall. Hall. All right, brother. Hey, so here's y'all. here's. I have questions, like personal questions, that I've always wanted answered. Uh oh. Cool. What was happening? With your life in 1985, what I'm, I always you all for, to me, you, there was no context for you. You came out of seemingly nowhere. Yeah. So I'm wondering. I knew you were on Amazon Women on the Moon. Fantastic. Yes. 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 My best work. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I understand the Oscars, but why the Image Awards didn't give me a nod? <laughs> You know. It's for broadest performance. Broadest, wow. uh, yeah. broadest, <laughs> broadest. I don't get it. It was very broad. It was yeah. him and a him and a faucet. And it my character, but my character died in that scene. Is that true? Yeah. I don't even remember. Yeah, you know, you don't get to see a funeral or anything. But he fell from eight floors to his death. Uh, did they cut and, to a wide of it? Um, yeah, yeah. I think yeah. I fell and hit the concrete, and it was a man sweeping. Yes, yes. Very good. Yes. Uh, so was, so, was that your thing at first? Was you wanted to be a comedic actor? Or well, oh, okay. So, so here's the deal. Um, I've known what I wanted to do since I was like five, but I just didn't know what you called it. You know, my dad was a Baptist preacher. And when I was five years old, my dad said to me, do you want to go out in the pulpit with daddy? And I always had talked about his POV. I didn't use that acronym, but, uh, what's it like, daddy? What's it like up there? And, and I would see my father with just his voice make women run and scream. And uh, at that time, there was no R. Kelly. So no one was making women do crazy stuff with yeah. just their voice. Your dad you know? was the Baptist R. Kelly of his time. Yes! That's amazing. <laughs> yes! Fantastic. Yes! And uh, um, I'm sure if there was um, a project that he did, Black Panties would have been included with it because uh, was he, was it, very, uh, he was a very hip Shout preacher. out to R. Kelly. Uh, yeah. was, they, so he was, a, was he like a popular Baptist preacher in yeah. Cleveland? Yeah, my dad was... A popular Baptist preacher in the inner city of Cleveland on Holton Avenue. He had a church called the Elizabeth Baptist Church. And uh, that morning he said, follow me. And I walked with him and I made that grand walk down this hall that seemed like it was headed to the Rose Garden when you were a little kid. But when you go back, right. you find out, oh, it was only three feet. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, things yeah. felt bigger and more grand. Yeah. But I walked down that hall and I'm holding his hand. How old are you? Uh, I'm probably, my mother and father got a divorce when Sorry I was about it. six. Yeah. So this was, this had to be five. Okay. You know, I'm, I'm trying to pin the time down. So he sits me in his chair and then he walks to the pulpit cause the, uh, choir's finishing up. And I sat behind him while he preached for the next hour. 
to this congregation in the inner city of Cleveland. Just collecting the panties from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was, uh, I, I was with working with the deacons to, <laughs> yeah. uh, to recover the panties after the sermon <laughs> was complete. Uh, but it was bizarre because you don't know how to describe it as a kid, but you're seeing someone with their oratory skills control a room in a way that only musicians and maybe stand-ups can do. Right. Um, years later, I went to see Al Green. There was a comic who opened for him, and I watched him take them from a mob at the Cleveland Public Auditorium into saying, hey, this guy is pretty funny. And Who um, was it? His name was Herb Jupert. Nope. And, you know, we, we would, there, there was nothing to Google then. Um, so uh, wherever he is, that's the first stand-up comic I ever saw perform. And at that point, I put it together. He does... What the part of what my father does that I can handle for the because, devil? He does what he does, yeah. but for the devil. <laughs> yes, yeah. because that was how. Because I'm thinking like I know I can't be a preacher because it, there are too many rules, right? You know, right. Uh, but comedy you can pretty much make it up. I walked in the comedy store one time and Andy Kaufman was wrestling, so uh, you pretty much can make up your right. own rules in this. Yeah. That is pretty cool that you didn't even have a language to articulate it as a child, but you still went. You that, just wanted whatever to be that in is that's talking yeah. in front of people. Yeah. And moving people. Yeah. And, and, um, and yeah, but, and here's another interesting thing. Years later, I was a drummer. Okay. Right. So I'm the guy in the band who plays timpani and glockenspiel and all those kind of things. And then, of course, it's natural that you'd form a band with some of the members of the orchestra and you'd have your own garage band. So I'm the drummer now. I got a Rogers Blue Onox Pearl set of drums, I got two toms. Two upper toms, a lower tom, five zildjian cymbals, uh, snare drum. Uh, what I'm getting to is a lot of shit. A lot of shit to <laughs> Were carry. Were you the guy who had a lot of shit but wasn't very good? Well, well yeah, that too. <laughs> that too. And my paradiddle was not that tight. And, um, and I was also a magician. You know where I'm going. A lot of shit. I had six right. birds. <laughs> yeah. I had, I've raised doves at my crib. Um, I made cabinets. I had my mother had to buy a station wagon because I was making money doing it. I would do bar mitzvahs and birthday parties and things. But as now a, you're 10, 12. Yeah. Now I'm about 12. I worked at a magic shop uh, on the weekends. My mother would take me to do my gigs. But once again, I know I'm talking, you know, and even as a drummer, I'm talking between songs. Yeah, that was uh, a song that uh, that we all love, from, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Boss I have nothing to say. Just <laughs> giving information. <laughs> you know, and uh, that was. Before I we got, get to the next. By song, the way, I got five Zildjians up here. <laughs> yeah, because yeah. well, I was the better talker. If you do group. need a magician, I am available for that as well. At, you know, and well, later on that was coming. And but I, you know, I get. I would try to get laughs when I was talking. You know, I had my little patter, and uh, it's it's interesting that even then, I knew what I, I wanted a stool and a glass of water. That's all I wanted. You know, that's all I wanted to travel with. I know Tom Toms and birds and cabinets. And I love being a magician and I love being a drummer. But I, but, but I found what you do when you want to talk, but you don't want that other shit. So how yeah. did you, the Herb Jupert guy? Watching him put, yeah, that brought it together. Herb Jupert in front of not, Al Green. Did you, if you went to an Al Green and, and show. And by the way, and by the way, the fact that they did not want him there. Was important. Yeah, oh yeah. Right. And they he did alchemized not. them to do yeah. his will. Yes, Al Green's coming out. Who is this? It's like guy? when I do Herb uh, Jupiter. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like when I do uh, tripping on Tuesdays at uh, the comedy yeah, yeah. store. Yeah, for real. Yeah, they. Someone said, "I love watching you do black rooms because at first they fucking hate you." Right. And within three minutes, they're like, "All right, 
Yeah. Well, go ahead, man. I'm with him. Yeah. I'm with him. Um, so, but did you see, not? Usually your intro changes yeah, the, intro. the role. Yeah, but some people right. were like, you go I out there without and, that intro, I think deal. him and Dave had some kind of beef. There's some oh. kind of nebulous, oh, yeah. like, oh, yeah. wait, they might, yeah. wait, where are they? This might be the white man that <laughs> yeah. made him leave exactly. Africa. <laughs> exactly. You know, because no, no, the story no, is so convoluted and confusing. Exactly. We'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, well, yeah, we'll get to Africa. See, okay, but you knew, did you not know who Richard Pryor was? Um. When I was really young, being the son of a Baptist preacher, I wasn't allowed to listen to a lot of stuff. I had right. snuck a Red Fox party album, right. and it was something about green apples and something. I remember... Pussy. Go ahead. Yeah, Green Apples and Pussy was the title <laughs> of that CD or that uh, album. No, it no, might no, have no, no, no. I, but, but I remember listening to it when my mother wasn't home and putting it back, because I remember exactly where it was hidden. It w- there was an end table next to the couch, and that couch end table had a door in it and if you went inside there there was albums and there was pig meat markham and there was red fox and i think i just went with red fox because he looked cooler than pig meat markham yeah, but that is hilarious that's yeah. like finding your dad's vhs pornos but it's just comedy albums yeah like, right that, right. Was that, the that. that says bad yeah, yeah they I'm, used to you know in arsenio they used to listen to porn on audio <laughs> yeah it was crazy it was crazy because, it was so you know, wild that that's when you would first hear that guitar yeah you know wow <laughs> 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 Any young men take my wife, please. But yeah. then you actually and then you did then take his wife. Someone, a guy would come in. Take her pussy, um, please. Okay, so <laughs> and her green apple. All right, so you're in Cleveland. <laughs> you gotta find that album. And uh, you're in Cleveland, and you're like, all right, now I know what stand up is. I've seen Jupert mm-hmm. turn him, mm-hmm. and now when do you go to an open mic? What do you do? Okay. You're doing Still, magic. Now keep in mind, I'm 112 years old. Okay. Okay. Yeah. At that time, there was no open mic. Those two words together. Don't exist. Right. Uh, I'm in Cleveland. There are no comedy clubs in the flats. I go to college. I'm at Kent State. A movie is coming out called Car Wash. And they tell me that a guy from Car Wash is coming to our school. Franklin? He's gonna, yeah. Yep. Very good. He's going to do stand-up. Yeah. Oh. You've still oh. never done stand-up. No, no. You've never seen it live. And I don't even think the two words ever came out of my mm-hmm. mouth. I, I don't think. There's no time when I ever said stand-up. Uh, you right. said green apples and pussy a lot. Yeah, I said that many times. <laughs> How do you know? And my teacher had said stand up a few times uh, when I was doing some fucked up comedy <laughs> shit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, but I, yeah, but see, even then I was practicing and didn't know it. Right. But so, so okay. B- bottom line is, I'm at college. I go to the auditorium at Kent State, and I'm sitting. I watch a guy walk out. He had a stool with a drink on it. I'm like, and you literally were like. Uh, you, you literally s- visualize yeah, your dove. Yes, this guy has <laughs> no never, birds. You had never <laughs> seen a stool in water, but you just had that image in your mind. Meaning, like you had that image in your mind, and you were like, "That's what I want." Well, it's just it came to me at that moment. Right. At yeah. that moment, it's like right. I have no idea what I've been searching for. But right. I think I just found it. It's a stool with water on it. Well, there Great. is something beautiful about the simplicity of what stand-up is. It's one man, one mic, the a best. stool, and, a, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and in the course of that, he made women scream. He made people laugh. He made people stand up. He made people applaud at the beginning, many times in the middle, and at the end. And when that motherfucker said something about, I should have played saxophone he did a joke and it was an incredible story about how kunta kente was captured but it started with going out to get wood to make a drum 
and get the skin to put over the drum. And then he was captured by the American slave masters and taken in the mid passage across to Europe and then to America where many of his family members died. And that long story leads to I should have played saxophone. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> That's hilarious because we kind of stole it unwittingly oh. in a sketch, not in, in yeah. a se- similar yeah. on Chappelle show. That's but it's a, a formula. And did you talk to Franklin after the show, or did you? Just oh like, yeah. Oh, you yeah, went much up to more him? than Franklin wanted to because uh. um, re- recently Dice was here and he talked about how one night. I talked for three hours, and he was trying to get some pussy, and he needed me to stop talking <laughs> so he could get this pussy. Um, that's what happened that night. But I really appreciate Franklin Ajayi because he's on a campus at Kent State. Yeah. You know how much pussy you get when you go do a date at a college. Sure. If you got a movie coming out yeah. called Car Wash. And it's 1975. Yes. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes. When, yes, when people. And it's pre-age. They pre-age. just discovered like, what pussy is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so it was the women are dying. They, four, yes, right? and they're giving it out much they're easier. Dying, they're dying to use it. They're dying to use it. But yeah, don't you love that five. image of Franklin rolling his eyes? Like, oh God, this young kid! Yes. Yeah, and it's Arsenio Hall. I yeah, mean, I'm asking him about it. Talk to him about it. Did he ever remember it? Oh hell yeah! Oh, he remembered funny. all of it. I, I talked awesome. to him long enough where you remember it. You Got remember? It. Oh yeah, you're the guy that kept me from getting pussy in Ohio. <laughs> He's still mad. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but about I, I pussy sat. Could have been. Oh my God, I sat with him and it was, it was great because I asked him about the comedy store. How you got started? Do you have a manager? What is a manager? I literally asked it in that sequence. I said, you have a manager? Because you've heard the right, word. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, so what is a manager? Right. <laughs> you know? right. And he told me all that shit. And he talked to me. And then he said, you know, contact me, man, when you come to Oh, Hollywood. that's nice. That you is know? nice. And, of course, I had been told uh, to contact Leno. And I'm thinking all these people are full of shit. How did you, know? you, how did you meet Jack? Well, this is long. long right. after, after I leave, okay. I leave, I, I, I want to graduate, okay? So I don't leave immediately. And I say that because I remember Steve Harvey having the show business dream, and he disappeared, and I never knew where he went. You knew Steve in Cleveland? Yeah, I knew Steve in Cleveland. I knew Steve at Kent State. Did he go to Kent State? Or he yeah, for a while. He has a PhD in suit making, is that yes, correct? Yes, yeah. yes. He I, majored yeah. in seven buttons. Yeah. <laughs> I believe he uh, has a doctorate in oversized suits. Am I, am I wrong there? As a matter of fact, the reason I met Franklin Ajayi is because Steve's best friend, a guy named Curtis Perry, was the promoter. And this is way too much information. Right now, only Steve's no, saying this is a good show. No, 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 no. That's what people love. They love specificity. No, yeah. yeah, fucking details. Um, but, yes, yeah, so, so Steve was at Kent, and I knew him from – I'd seen him around, and I knew him to be from Cleveland – and there was an A.J. Jamal yeah. who also wanted to be a comic. And, uh, but Steve went away, and then I didn't see him again until years later. Um, but why am I even telling so you kn- this part uh, of the Jay, story? So you knew the Leno story. Yeah, oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Him. Oh, it's, it's bizarre. So Franklin says what he says, and, and I never see him again, obviously, and I go on and finish my schooling. I have a band. I'm making a little money with my college band, uh, playing drums, and not doing magic anymore. <laughs> Because, you know, you can't keep your doves in a dorm, <laughs> <laughs> which, which instantly became Not a problem. Even back then, you could. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Even, the rules are, are very similar today about <laughs> doves, doves in the dorm. In the dorm. Oh, they, they are sticklers. <laughs> Years later, I go to Chicago because Cleveland doesn't have comedy clubs. Yeah. And I hear about Second City. I don't even go for comedy clubs. I go to audition for a man who died within the last 12 months, named Bernie Salas. And okay. Bernie was a huge 
uh, producer and 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 talent mogul or whatever. I don't know what you call. Bernie Bernie was 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 a comedy genius. Uh, he worked at Second City. I auditioned for him, and he said, "If you'd like to be a part of Second City, uh, we'd love to have you." What was your audition? Um, it was improv, and I don't remember the details. And here's why: as I left, I walked down a street called Wells Street, mm-hmm. and I saw Zanies. Mm-hmm. My theme to life is stand up. Kept rearing its ugly head, yeah. but it didn't mm-hmm. have a name. Yeah, right, you know? that's interesting. I'm walking past Zanies down Wells Street, and I see an open mic sign, and I decide to come check that out. Right. I know that much that comedy's done here. Right. And I never went back to Second City after seeing oh, wow. stand-ups on Wells Street. Wow. Because then it all came together. Mm-hmm. But Leno was in a place called the Comedy Womb one night. And uh, I've been working out That was bit. known for having the worst name in the history of comedy, <laughs> correct? <laughs> Comedy, it was known for that. Hey, as many the comedy comics, room, quote, the worst name in the history of comedy. That was uh, parentheses on the building. <laughs> exactly. Um, you know, it's funny because as many comics as we see do jokes about yuck yucks, teehees, milk through your nose, yep. all these different names, no one ever fucks with the womb. <laughs> no, I yeah. know. That, and they I should. I've never heard comedy it. Yeah. Yeah, and, and obviously the pun was where comedians are born. Right. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah not sure. everyone knows that place was actually owned by a baby. It was a comedy room. <laughs> Supposed yeah. to be the comedy room. Yeah, he 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 didn't speak well. He didn't speak good English. Some kind of diphthong involved in this story. Uh, by the way, uh, Willem was meant to be William. Diphthong. By the way, family. By the way, by the way, diphthong was one of my favorite Def Jam comics of all time. Oh, right. God. And, diphthong and yes. Shucky Ducky back to back. And they're also oh, they're a great hip hop collector. Shucky Ducky. Ham <laughs> you know what? There are people who don't do stand up in the room saying, What the fuck are, what they, are they talking, talking about? about? Who yeah, is Shucky Ducky and yeah. what does Ham Sandwich mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, okay. Okay, so. So, so I'm at the comedy womb, and my friend says to me, I flipped a coin with Ted, and I get to pick up Leno from the airport. <laughs> it, two comics flipped a coin, yep. and. Get to. Wanted to pick Get him up. to. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that also says that at that time, Jay Leno was being picked up by a comic and a Camaro instead of a limo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah. that's how long ago right. this was. Leno comes to the club. He holds court, as comics do. Um, I, I don't know how long we're going to talk, but every comic knows or every Seinfeld will tell you a story about Cosby holding court, yeah. Richard holding court. We've all had our sessions where you sit for hours mm-hmm. and listen to your hero. I've ha- had many famous. I do that anytime I go to Eddie's house. Yeah. Oh yeah. I fucking grill him. You just him. sit I and listen in the a, kitchen. I yeah, sit in the kitchen and just grill him. Mm-hmm. And like to the point where I've been there, and Mo- even Mooney was like, like, oh go yeah, go ahead and answer, brother. Yeah. Oh, Mooney's like I want, I want to oh, know the answer, homie. Oh, I know <laughs> this nigga has the answer to this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to hear no, what he I'm, says about I'm marriage. Serious, <laughs> Mooney. Oh gosh, I can't okay. wait to have Mooney here on the show. Okay, so uh, so when Leno finishes and ho- he's holding court and everything, I'm sitting. And um, by the time he leaves Chicago, he's seen me do stand-up and tells me I, I should be in L.A. 
Hey, you know, you here in Chicago. How long have you been doing it at that point? Um, is that the baby that owns the womb? Or is yeah, that yeah, that was, it. that was, here, what's interesting is that's the baby that owns the womb and, womb and Leno talking. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so like that. And you're like, ah, what was happening? Ah, Similac. Mavis. Can you tell Mavis this baby girl? Um, the bottom line is Leno says if you ever come to LA call me so I went to LA and I called Leno first then Franklin (laughs) Franklin didn't answer Uh Leno did Uh, that's the weird thing when those kind of guys tell you to call them you can't even believe because I'm from Cleveland you can't even believe that Jay Leno would say call me and really answer the phone yeah you know that's the guy in the green suit who does the philosophy joke from the yeah. Tonight Show? Would you do it, if you, Arsenio? Now you're at some gig somewhere. Some kid is like, "Man, I've been thinking about." Well, you. I mean, I wouldn't. I would. Was do there it. a point? I bet you did it. Everyone do it while. and still do. And I'll tell yeah. you why. Um, because of what Franklin did that night, when right. I know he wanted to get some pussy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and I know he went back to the hotel alone after I talked to him. I've had Bill Cosby sit in Atlantic City in a dressing room and talk to me from the time he gets off stage till four in the morning with a cigar. When the cigar goes, I go. That's how it used to be. Cosby mm-hmm. would hold court. I've had many Richard Pryor. I've had Richard Pryor sit and talk to me and Sam Kennison and Keenan Wayans. Long story short, I always said, I can never even explain these moments, but I will always do it mm-hmm. right. if I get the opportunity. Um, and you hope you get famous. And you hope someone wants you. Me and Eddie were talking recently, like a week ago. And um, so many of our heroes are gone. And we were talking about doing Harlem Nights and not even realizing that when we're doing it, we're working with Richard and we're working mm. with Red and one day we'll look back and this will be a very important film for us because we work with our heroes. Yeah. You know? Right. And um Is there any truth to the somebody told me that Pryor didn't love Eddie? Um I have heard that. Yeah. But Pryor never said anything like that to me. As a matter of fact, I remember standing with Damon Wayans in Richard's house. And he talked about how much he appreciates Eddie and all of us who give him love. Richard was, I I don't know whether this would be insecure or whatever, but Richard said, sometimes when y'all say stuff about me, I'm thinking like, you have to be teasing or joking. And then it dawned on me, y'all motherfuckers, for real. This is in his house. Yeah. I remember that night he gave me a baseball bat with his name on it because he said, you had a birthday recently? And I said, yeah. He says, he reached in the corner. He said, here, happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> he gave me a baseball bat with Richard Pryor engraved below Louisville Slugger. I'll never fucking get rid of that bat. No, I won't even not. hit a motherfucker with that Take bat. It you come in my you. house and I'd be like, I'm no Hold LL on, I'm going to go get something else. Yeah. 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 No, yeah. That's oh, my God. Yeah. Take it, literally Shit. have it buried with you. I would no scratch one you with a that. key before <laughs> I hit you with that bat. But, uh, uh, but that, I, remember, I remember the house he lived in and I remember being with Damon. And he was very, very happy that this generation of comics dealt with him in the way we... Because, you know, if, if you're Richard, you're hearing all of us say amazing things yeah. about him more than anyone, even Robin. Right. You know, even Robin Williams back then 
would talk about Richard like uh, Robin would talk about him like like Robin had never done stand up before. I right. mean, he worshipped him and gave him respect, and Richard appreciated it to the point where sometimes he was like, "Wow, he he was." mesmerizing blown away by it well that's a testament to how rickety his self-esteem was i mean the fact um, that it never occurred to him how that if you i feel like he's the kind of guy that would argue with you if you said you know you're the best comedian ever he'd be like you yeah. know like now you know I, who was I mean, I mean he'd say cosby probably right i don't know about that richard wouldn't say cosby uh, i don't yeah because uh. you know the one thing richard and eddie bonded on oh <laughs> go ahead was cosby yeah and um yeah, but uh, <laughs> no, but, <laughs> no, yes. no, no, but. no, because no, no, it's a famous, it's a famous bit. I mean, yeah. it's, it's Eddie calling mm-hmm. Richard to tell yeah. Richard about the problem. Have a he was having. Yeah, yeah, something about it. Yeah, uh, but having said that, Pryor did Cosby for the first five years of his career. Yes, so he did. Yeah. It, he did hold some sort of weird. And 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 what Neil means by did Cosby, um, you know, back in the old days, you know. You could have an agent, and the agent might have a lot of young clients. Bill Cosby was at an agency, and they signed Richard. It was called ABC Booking. Old agent named Hal Monroe. I remember meeting him, and he told me the whole story at dinner. And uh, this was um, way, way back. But you always look up to the guys who are the big dogs on that roster. Right. And Richard knew of Bill. And he was told to work clean because that's the best way to get where Bill is. The right. best way to get on the Ed Sullivan show. And so Richard was trying to get over. And right. the bottom line is at a certain point he found himself. I think the coolest thing as a stand-up is to watch Richard performing at the improv and not doing well. Because it's the best motivator in the world. I don't think we ever imagine that that nigga's crazy at one time was material that wasn't working. Yeah. Right, right, right. You know, yeah. so when you see him do the wino and a traffic cop and the shit's not quite there, or when the, the best thing a comic can do is get this project. I think it's done at the improv in New York. When you're watching it, you even see, oh, that bit's not finished yet. There are four jokes on the Grammy winning album. Live and smoking, the yes. prior one? Yeah. 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 Or maybe that nigga's crazy. Yeah. Actually. Uh, some of the material, actually, the material probably went to different projects. Right. You know, um, one was shot in front of a Soul Train audience, which is an interesting trivia question. You know, um, oh, I think, literally. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. I think that's a Richard. You know, you know, they weren't the comedy. Comedy wasn't what it is now. You know, yeah. Richard went to Don Cornelius and said, I need a place to do my album. OK, so. All right. But <laughs> I want to use yes. that. So you you come out to L.A. Mm-hmm. and you move here mm-hmm. and you start doing stand up every night. Improv store. Come, come, come to L.A. I check into a hotel on La Brea and call Jay. Okay. Jay comes and gets me on a motorcycle and takes me to find an apartment. But the shocking thing is I, now I'm holding on to Jay Leno like a woman on the back of a motorcycle. <laughs> and I'm saying, this motherfucker actually answered the phone. I'm still in shock yeah, that he it? did exactly and what he told me he would do. he was from The Tonight Show. Yeah, he, he really was. It, was. it was actually a denim suit. It was a yeah, blue denim was. suit. I think there's headshot. one of his headshots he's wearing it. I'm not even fucking around. Uh, okay, so then you do. So then you're out here for. You're a comedian. You're in L.A. Yeah, you're a comedian. Yeah, that um, it was New New Year's Eve, 1979. I got in the car and drove here. So, the first daylight of 1980, I'm driving across country. You know, and, and literally, me and this chick, she wanted to be a writer. 
Um, Who wants we, to be a writer? My God. <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> no, no, not a good looking girl then. It's bizarre. She, she became a prostitute. Which is uh, <laughs> Close <laughs> enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, it's bizarre. It's like going to do it one way or the other. Yeah. It's either for Hollywood yeah, or for yeah. just people picking her up. It's crazy. But yeah, she came. We, we, dro- we decided after a New Year's Eve party to drive out here. Great. And so, All right. So then you're doing stand up. Yeah, I'm doing stand up. Going to the comedy store trying to get on in some way but friedman let me on first mitzi started letting me go over to a place called westwood yeah the west the store in westwood yeah back in the day um back in the day the young comics couldn't work on sunset at the main comedy store you had to go to westwood where you'd see me howie mandel paulie shore sam kennison keenan wayans it was crazy yeah when and we were all young yeah and that's the thing is like and by the way None of you were famous. No. Most of you probably weren't even very good. Most of us sucked, but we, um, most of us sucked. But you know who didn't suck? Howie Mandel. Oh, really? That motherfucker would crush it. Crowd work? You you know, I remember things like the the handbag with fingers on it. Yeah. I remember the glove he used to put on his head. Yeah. I remember him coming out one time with like... An Izod Lacoste shirt, but the alligator was like five inches long or some shit on the shirt, you know. Um, but no one wanted to follow Howie. Got it. And that includes me and Sam and Keenan. Um, I love the image of Sam Kinison. Like, I, I really I don't want to follow, follow that this. guy. I just <laughs> because he would kill. He would I kill. I don't want to follow that guy. <laughs> yeah, he was a yeah. Uh, 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 Michael Rodenberg's friend from Canada. I don't want to fuck with it. Howie Mandel used to crush it. And I think he was a little more experienced than us. Yeah. Because I remember bringing Sam on stage after I was kind of a vet. The fact that I was the MC meant I was in it. And I remember getting in trouble with Mitzi because I thought Sam was so amazing. And I thought I was so hot as a comic that I could do what I wanted to do. And one night I introduced Sam as my cousin from Peoria. And he came on stage and he fucking killed. He crushed it. And he, he preached, he did comedy, he, it, it was just amazing. And Mitzi banned me from the comedy store for a while because she couldn't let me just do what I wanted to do. She had said, no Sam yet. And I was like, fuck that, this, is, this guy's a genius. But Mitzi wasn't ready to, to put him on yet. Oh, As a matter of fact, Mitzi hadn't put Paulie on yet. That I see. Yeah, he's he's now, still not ready for the comedy store. But. That I get. I'm with Mitchie on that. Now, Arsenio. Um, okay, Paulie so. Is almost ready for, all right, the, so, like, for the East Side comedy all right, store. Let's start, so you start. So you're doing stand up five, six years. You're on the road. You're opening for Patty LaBelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then. Okay, so did you know Eddie from him dropping by and doing stuff? Uh, let's see. I met Eddie in front of the improv, okay. and he was out here to do the Tonight Show. His first one, the yeah. one where he told the audience to shut up. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But even bigger than that, the conversation that we were having on the sidewalk in front of the improv that night was that Eddie was going to use the N-word on the Tonight Show, and Johnny was saying no. And we were confounded because if you remember, Johnny used the N-word with Richard. In an interview? Yeah. There's a famous interview right, I think where I've seen that. Johnny says to Richard, I've never seen that. you I use the that. N-word, but he doesn't say N-word. He says nigga. And this is how chi- 
this is how the times have changed and how the political correctness has swapped. Um, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Johnny says, um, do you get in trouble? Uh, and I'm paraphrasing with everything except the word nigga. Do you get in trouble or have any problems using that word? Because I'm sure there are people, black people, that don't like you using that word. And they had a great conversation about it. A yeah. great conversation. So years later, I'm on the sidewalk talking to Eddie and Keenan and Damon, I think, is there. And the conversation is that they don't want him to use the N-word on The Tonight Show. And what his joke was, classic famous joke, where Eddie says, walks out. There aren't many black comics on The Tonight right. Show. He walks out and he says, you know what, before we get started, um, why don't you all say the word nigga to get it out of your system? <laughs> and everybody responds just like you two did. Yeah. It's like shock, laughter, everything. Yeah. Johnny was like, you're not doing that. And I thought, I, I was a fan of Johnny. I wanted yeah. to be Johnny. So I explained that story. And then it became, wait a minute then. Eddie was like, I'm doing my bit. And he did his bit. Did he do that? He did exactly that. Did he get cut out? I don't think it's on. I don't, it's, I, I it might don't, be a different appearance because yeah, I, I don't think he did that. I don't know whether they bleeped it, but I do know Eddie did his bit. <laughs> okay. And we got to find that tape and find out Fine. whether it was bleeped and which shot it was. The first one he came out and he goes, shut up. They're all okay. applauding. Yeah. He does predominantly black family. Mm-hmm. And he and he did the Sears watch bit. And here's why I'm and, and by the way, we should research this. because We might find out that Eddie didn't do the bit, but this conversation was about doing it. And I thought he did it. And not only do I think he did it, but the controversy, I believe, was that it was his first shot. And he right. was like, hey, man, that is confidence. huh? That Your will, first no, shot John's I like, posted the set to uh-huh. you uh, to on Twitter about a year ago. And it got a hundred retweets because I said, wow. "Look at the confidence." Before he says man. a fucking word, yeah, and he's wearing that back. It's just like, God damn it, dude. We gotta find out. We gotta. Um, no, I'll put it on. I'll yeah, put it on. All we right. gotta find out, and then we gotta find out if it's not there. The story behind that. Yeah, fine. Why? Can I ask you this? You can. You can decline this question. Yeah, yeah. Why do you think Eddie st- doesn't do stand up now? Um, Eddie. Wants to do stand up, yes, so bad, yeah. So, what you're asking me is just a temporary inconvenience. That question is uh, going to be answered soon, June eleventh. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. Here. Dana White <laughs> <laughs> presents. Um, by the way, speaking of Dana White, the whole Kings of Comedy concept. I remember one time. When a boxing promoter who's deceased now named Butch Lewis, who used to wear a tie with no shirt with his suit. Remember Butch Lewis? Butch no. Lewis was the young Don Trust King. me, if I'd seen that, I really <laughs> would remember. <laughs> okay. uh, you're such a Negrophile. I figured you would probably, <laughs> probably <laughs> the name met, of the podcast. <laughs> you had met Butch Lewis. But uh, Butch Lewis came, and I heard this conversation, came to Eddie and said, I got a great idea. The champions of comedy. The kings of comedy, the, 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 the big ballers of comedy have to do this concert, four of you, like you and Richard and Bill, and we'll find somebody to host it. Now, I'm sitting there saying, to the point, how did you get the show the first time? That, okay. okay, can I tell you that yeah. Charlie, Charlie told me the story, right. 
He's again. It's through Charlie's crazy filter. Uncle Ray may have told me this story. A Murphy told me this story. Yeah, that you showed up one time on a motorcycle mm-hmm. with fucked up jeans, <laughs> and you and Eddie had some sort of sit down meeting, mm-hmm. and you came out of the meeting, and you had a, you. He was like, "I'm gonna pitch. A, I'm gonna take this guy into Paramount to do oh. a to do a talk show." Oh no, no, because you know. Here's what you forget. I got a talk show because of an unfortunate situation with Joan Rivers. Okay. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. With her husband. Yeah. So that's sto- that story. W- so that's just you, a Charlie yeah, crazy. Make, that, that would make you have to white out all of history. <laughs> uh, but you remember Joan left her show and her husband. Yeah, he committed suicide. suicide yeah. Or whatever. And uh, um, let's see. Okay, Joan is at Fox. Somehow she leaves her show, and they audition people by letting them host each night. <laughs> Which is crazy. And yeah, cr- I that's mean, insane. Again, Wild Suzanne West. Summers, Wally Cox. Um, Wally Cox. I mean, and everybody in between. Yeah. They gave me a shot. Um, you did stand-up on the show, though, right, at one point? I had done stand-up when Joan was the host. Yes. So they knew that guy. They had, uh, remember, Moon Zappa's dad. Um, Frank. Frank Zappa. They had Frank Zappa hosting. An argument ensued in the middle of the day. Frank Zappa pulls, get in his car, and leave. He gets in his car and leaves, and they call me. I'm at the cleaners on the first cell phone ever made. (laughs) (laughs) Big motherfucker with a possum tail. It's it's the same height as you. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, um, uh, it's, it's a big phone. They call me. I'm at the cleaners. I grab the suit that I have in the cleaners. And go to uh, Fox. And I host that show that night. At that time, I don't know uh, Charlie or Eddie or anybody. Because if I knew them, I would have had a hell of a first guest. (laughs) You know? But instead... Wait, you knew him from from stand-up a little bit or no? um, Oh, at that time, yes. I I knew him as the guy from SNL, I think. When you did Joan Rivers, though, it was like 87. Oh, yeah. yeah, okay. but we but but you just didn't but, see him. Yeah, he, he wasn't probably my buddy. He probably wasn't in the clubs a whole lot anyway. Right, and he was a um, he was he was this famous New York guy on SNL who lived in New York mm. and worked okay. every day. And uh, I I think I might have met him or whatever, but I didn't know him where I could say he was my friend or call right. him as a guest. So I called my former boss Alan Thick. The great when, Alan Thicke. The great Alan Thicke. When Alan Thicke had a talk show That's called Robin's Thicke of the Father? Night. Is that correct? Yeah. Uh, possibly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when, um, when, when Alan Thicke had a talk show, I was his announcer. I was the guy that said, Alan Thicke. I was that guy. Yep. So I called Alan, and I said, can you come do this talk show? They're going to let me host Joan Rivers' show tonight. And he was busy or in Canada or something, and he sent Gloria Lauren, who is Robin's mom. Yeah. Gloria Lauren came and... Uh, he, he didn't send her. I should say. He dispatched <laughs> a woman to me to sing. He clapped, and she yeah. went over. Yeah. But I think it was his suggestion because she had a hit record with Carl Anderson, and uh, at that time it was approaching number one. She came. She was my guest, and uh, that's how I got into the talk show game. I left that show, and they replaced it with something called the Wilt North Report, which was already planned, so I was just holding a spot. Eddie and I Do were they tell with- you, like, hey, we're thinking about you? No, because there's already a show. I'm watching the development of a show in that office. Got it. So, but I'm cool because Eddie and I are working on a script. 
How did you? I thought you didn't know. You did well, know. Well, see, after um, after that ended, I I don't think I knew him enough to call him as a guest. Yeah. But after that ended, we're sitting around. He had an idea on a yellow pad, if I remember correctly. And to be honest with you, I wasn't supposed to be in coming to America. You know, I was one of the guys who's pitching jokes and we're talking an idea. This was Eddie's idea on a yellow pad. He'd had the idea for years, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. he, t- he told me that he promised. You ever hear the story where he promised to part to Rudy Ray Moore? I wouldn't doubt it. I know I wasn't in it. Eddie know? Murphy is a Dolomite Rudy Ray Moore fanatic. Huge. Lunatic for Rudy Ray Moore. Makes you watch documentaries about him at his house. I'm sure he's done it to you. Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay, so that, so then you're just sitting around. In fact, one night we're watching Rudy Ray Moore, and um, um, there there are obscure things that go on in Rudy Ray Moore's movies. Like an actor will be fired, and another actor will replace him <laughs> in the next scene. You know. So Eddie's got this idea, and so you're kind of and, punching it up with him, or yeah, you're and, like. And, 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 you know, I th- I think, God, you know, I may, hindsight isn't always twenty twenty, but I think I had met Eddie twice at this point. And a bunch of guys are sitting around and we're talking about this idea. And it sounds like a really funny idea, but it doesn't happen then. Right. Um, a little later, I remember him saying, we should think about doing this together. Based on what? Based on his your your act, had he seen you stand up? Had you opened for him? Had you? I think I remember him saying once. Um, well, later it became more clear. I went with him to a pitch meeting for this movie, and I had a pretty good take on the movie and different characters, but they didn't like the movie. Um, was it at Paramount? Do you remember? It must yeah, it was. At, oh, it was at Paramount. Yeah, they didn't like it because he had a deal. He yeah. had to do it there. They didn't like the movie, and I remember them saying, "There's something missing." One day he calls me, and says, "We got to talk." And he said, "You know what's missing? Everybody wants me to do characters like on SNL. We got to be the people we meet in America." That was the sentence yeah. that sold it and changed everything. Hmm. And we went back in. I think there was a different guy running Paramount at that point, And Eddie pitched us meet, being the people we meet yeah. when we come here. And just that general. You know, just things like we arrive at the airport. The guy who drives us is one of us. Right. It was as simple as that. And that's what really sold that Was movie. that the first time anyone had done anything like that? Well, I remember we used to talk about Holy Moses. Because Richard did a movie where he played three characters. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. So so we but yeah, it it was very interesting. Uh, but that movie came out of a bunch of guys sitting pitching jokes in a room. Who were the guys? Oh gosh. Um Keenan Clint was Smith there? was around. Clinton. Keenan was around. Uh Paul Mooney was around. You know, comics sitting around yeah. just pitching and being funny. Yeah. All right, so you got so you get the you do the Joan Rivers thing, you get the shot, mm-hmm. and then you get the show. Is that? And then you do the you did coming to America. You got shot coming to America. Yeah, yeah. I, I got the Joan Rivers show. Then I do coming to America, and then there's this moment where I realized I loved doing that Joan Rivers show. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember you wanted there to just be a stool and a cup of water. Though. Yeah, that was your yeah, only pretty thing much the- get rid of the desk. <laughs> <laughs> Get me right there. Give me a stool, a cup of water. I'm there. Uh, It it was bizarre because that that movie, 
um, in that period of my life, I, my life got really focused. Um, I realized I had so much fun doing that talk show. And Paramount came to me with a three-picture deal. And I said, no, because I knew what I was thinking. The most fun I've ever had, the happiest I've ever been, was that 11 weeks doing that talk huh. show. So I start talking to people because I'm thinking, like, where am I going to get? Nobody's going to give me a talk show. So you did 11 weeks replacing. Yeah. Your, it wasn't yeah. just one show. It was, ele- it yeah. was 55 yeah, they found, shows oh, or whatever. Yeah, I, I kind of leave yeah, these spaces. They gave, me, they gave me the show after trying it two or three times. Got it. Oh, so you won the contest. So right. They narrowed it down to me and Suzanne Summers, <laughs> And I got it. And got to keep it for 11 weeks while they finished something called the Wilton North yes. Report. But that's not the show away. that I remember that I grew up on. No, that's not no, the that, no, that because that's, this is Fox. Right. And so that's why it's so common. So, so I do that show. I go do Coming to oh, – well, um, some time goes by. We write Coming to America with Blostein and Sheffield in New York in the Mayflower Hotel, which doesn't even exist anymore. Yeah. Was it kind of dumpy then, or was it all right then? It was very dumpy. Yeah. Yeah. It was, and Eddie, that's for Eddie, we got put you guys up? Uh, I, I, I stayed at Eddie's crib. I think Blostein and oh, Sheffield were at the Mayflower. <laughs> because, and I'll tell you why, because I think it was next door to Paramount. You're right. Yeah. The, the Trump Tower. Yeah. yeah. I was You're new right. to New York, but I think that was the reason. So uh, I would write there and sit there with them all day and then i would stay out in, uh, and i'm sure you guys Jersey. would just go to sleep early at bubble hill oh uh, <laughs> man just the wow. indoor pool those were bowling the good alley. old days those were, those were the good old days man <laughs> oh yeah you like get what to learn <laughs> tell us what you learned you get to learn new york clubs i had never been to new york all we want are some stories oh man. yeah I, I learned new york from charlie and eddie yeah Charlie, to hear Charlie tell, do you have any anecdotes that jump out at you about like, wow, that's very powerful? Yeah, Eddie's Eddie's majesty and power over women. Yeah, yeah, and and, and Charlie was security then. Yeah, no, I know he yeah. wasn't. He wasn't. Uh, he wasn't. Good. Do you have any anecdotes that stick out in your head? No, no, not at all. <laughs> yeah, you don't remember anything. All <laughs> of a sudden, huh? Charlie no. basically said that they would. Eddie would walk in to a club, mm-hmm. and women. He would literally just do a lap. And women would follow you guys all out, and you'd go to Jersey. It was uncanny. It was uncanny. As a matter of fact, I think the funniest story of that nature was shooting Coming to America on the Paramount lot Mm -hmm. and going to a club for our lunch break. (laughs) 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 Because because here's the deal. You're you're night shooting. Yeah. We're doing a night shoot. Oh, my God. Um, We're dressed as Simi and Akeem. Okay? <laughs> That's like the real the yes, coming yes, through. Yes, we're at Paramount. We take a break for lunch, and Eddie looks at me and says, let's hit a club. And we jump in a limo, go to a club. In my head, it's the, it's the limo from the beginning of Raw. Go ahead, <laughs> the limo he pulled up. We in. come back to Paramount and tell the guard, those 20 cars are with us because they would let him do anything he wanted to do. Yeah. And the bottom line is 20 cars followed the limo back in. We brought the party from the club back to Paramount while we finished the shoot. So we finished shooting that night, and then the party was in the trailers on the lot. Um, but the part that I left out, we're in a club, and I'm dressed like an African, and he has a long ponytail. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that long-ass ponytail? Uh-huh. And chicks didn't 
even say anything. Like, oh, they didn't mention it. Yeah, at all. a woman. You're supposed to say, "Hey, how you doing?" She was like, "What the fuck are you dressed as?" Yeah. That's what you're supposed to say to a yeah. guy. Like, fine, Eddie, how are you? <laughs> yeah, 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 fine, your Majesty. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even know the movie was out. They already <laughs> called him your Majesty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they have no idea what we're shooting. And, uh, uh, of fun days, though. Yeah, fun no. Days. He and uh, Eddie told a story about. He's like, he goes, Denzel at the club used to just be a little motherfucker from St. Elsewhere. In a baseball hat in the corner. Yeah. And, and I remember even before then, I remember Robert, I remember Robert Townsend during the shoot of a movie called Carbon Copy uh-huh. saying, after the comedy store, let's go get a bite to eat. Can my friend Denzel come? <laughs> and I remember the next time I heard of his friend Denzel, he said, Denzel's going to do a project with Howie Mandel. And yeah. It was uh saying elsewhere. elsewhere. Yeah. Wow. Um okay. All right, we so, got we got to get to the All right. Yes, so you this. get so so you get the show basically Paramount offers you the three picture deal and you're like, "No, I would take a talk show though." Um no, because I don't even understand syndication. There's no such right. thing and Paramount is the wrong person to talk about TV to. Right. So I didn't tell him what I wanted. I just said no. And um I went back to Fox. And asked Fox what they thought of that. Because now um, there is a space because this show that they put in Joan's place isn't doing well. Yeah. And um, they talked with me and they wouldn't give me a piece of it. I wanted points of some nature. Uh, and the reason I remember. And you knew. You knew. How did you even know about that? Here's why I remember the story specifically. I was so green and stupid. I went to Quincy Jones, and he explained a few things about his friend Oprah. And Quincy suggested that I do something like an escalating scale, something that if they can't pay you now, make them pay you on performance. Tell them, I'll do it for whatever you want to pay me. But if it does well, I do well. And he said, use the word escalating scale. Try to get a salary that starts with a certain rating point and increases as your rating points increase. Increase, and if you believe in yourself, you win. Yeah. And uh, uh, and, and you'll do well financially. So I went in and pitched that alone, and didn't tell him. Quincy told me, but but they said they did say who the hell told you that though, right? Well, they just you know they didn't. They were they were like just get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> we, we can't even believe that we're listening to you. Get the fuck out of here. You're lucky to even be in a room indoors. Like, yeah. well, but back to my escalating scale. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, and so the bottom line is I didn't know where else to go. I didn't know Paramount would talk to me about syndication. And um, there was a lady named Lucy Sohaney who heard about that meeting and how they said, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> and, and she waited in a parking lot for me. This yeah, these elements of your career are so specific. She waited in what parking lot? In the parking lot outside of Breckheimer and Simpson's office, who were famous producers. Who did 48 Hours. Yeah, and, Mr. Yeah. Simpson's gone, Jerry Breckheimer's still around. She stood out there because she knew I would eventually come to Eddie's office, which was on the top floor. 
Okay. And uh, I get out of my car and she says, "Excuse me, hey motherfucker." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and she was an escalating me. scale motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I get him. I would like to talk to you about an escalating scale. <laughs> I'm gonna escalate your fucking ass right now. I'm gonna escalate an ass woman. <laughs> Bottom line is, I, um, I met with her, and um, and she said, "Escalating scale, huh?" You know, but she gave me points based on my execution. And the better the show did, the better I personally did. And I owe that to Quincy, who was very aware of things in the syndicated business world because he's a right. friend of Oprah. Right. Oprah, who wasn't, who, Oprah probably only had $15 million at that point. Not yeah. kidding. Not yeah. even kidding. Right. Maybe she had $15 million. Right. People don't realize also <clears throat> that it was not an ABC show flat out, it was the most historic syndicated situation in history. Oprah yeah. was. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. he cast Oprah for Color Purple off of her local show in Chicago. Oh, wow. That's right. how good That's his crazy. taste is. Uh, okay, so you yep. start, you get the sh- you basically get the show at Paramount, Escalating Scale. Yes. I re- here's they how I recall me, they you. They give me a base salary. They, they offer me a base salary, and they offer me points for every rating point above a certain point. Right. And looking back, the I'm sure the rating point that they offered was sort of comically low, or was it high, fair? What was it? Uh, I used to call them hyena points because uh, at that time, it really wasn't a lot. The great thing was when the show did well, and Eddie's manager told me this. He said, by the way, and this was the greatest sentence ever, in success Everything can be renegotiated. I oh, tell yeah. people that all the time. Right. He was like, "Don't trip. Take the fucking show." Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And did I, you, when you had the show, did you feel on your shoulders like I'm doing a black show? I'm doing a, the hip hop generations talk show. Mm. Did you feel that, or was no. that just a natural organic? No, because initially I didn't know what I was doing. Initially, I remember calling Alan King. Wow. I'm calling people that I grew up watching. Yeah. I remember going to David Steinberg's dressing room once when I knew I was about to get a show. Um, I wanted to do what everyone else was doing. I wanted to do what my hero Johnny did. And one day, I'm talking to Russell Simmons because I can't get guests. There were people I opened for, like Robert Goulet, who were like, good luck. <laughs> this is <laughs> when you fucking see me you there. Couldn't, you couldn't book couldn't this get when you were just trying to book the show before it started. Right. Or, or while it's on at this point, you know, um, I can't I book it. Remember it being hot out of the box. Um, wait, we're talking about. Oh no, no, I'm talking about the Arsenio Hall show. No, no, not hot out of the box at all. As a matter of fact, the first night, I couldn't get guests. People were saying, uh, "Let's wait and see how it does." Right. Um, I called Brooke Shields, mm-hmm. and she did it. And I called Luther Vandross, and Luther thought I was calling about the theme. That's probably the only reason he answered. He got on the phone and he said, you're looking for a theme song, aren't you? And I said, no, I'm looking for a music guest for my first show. So that was my first show, Brooke Shields. That's the first booking. Brooke yeah. Shields' second booking was Luther Vandross. Um, but back before my Paramount show, when I was on that Joan Rivers experience at Fox, nobody would do the show. Yeah, man. I believe that. And what happened was I was talking to Russell Simmons and Russell Simmons was like, um, you know, there is a generation that doesn't have a show. Right. 
And I think him and Rick Rubin were hanging then. Yeah. And they were only approaching me because they knew they had some talent if they could get me to understand what the void and need for me was. And he told me about a kid named James. And um, they got me LL James Todd? Yeah, yeah. 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 So, so, and after that, I did Houdini. Freaks come out at night. Were but you even- it, it, it helped me define, oh, I don't need Alan King. Right. Right. You weren't probably a huge hip hop fan, right? Um, I, th- I, I think I was a hip hop fan okay. because I remember saying to myself, Oprah and Don Cornelius aren't happy about the direction of music. I knew somehow that Don Cornelius, who was my hero and who taught me a lot about producing, I somehow knew within the Hollywood community that Oprah and Don weren't crazy about rap music. So I saw it as not only a niche that I could own, but I could could even own it because black shows weren't doing it. Yeah. Right. And it's, from my record, I mean, that's... There's all this hip-hop history from the Arsenio Hall show. Yeah. Including that wonderful interview with Vanilla Ice. One of my oh, favorite was, moments in was broadcast a, history. Thank you. Thank crazy you day. Crazy yeah, we all, day. all white people would like to thank you. On behalf of white hip-hop fans, we'd like to thank you for taking wow. Vanilla Ice That's, to death. Okay. I'm, well, still, that, I, I, I st- I'm still really tight with Snow. Oh, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> that'll help my crossover. Do you know what he said after now? <laughs> Did boom, he ever boom, explain? <laughs> Looky boom, boom, down. Um, it's clear. Okay, man. so you start the show. You Here's the thing I'll say about you and Eddie. Yeah. Is that you never really felt the mantle of... All, you never bought into the I'm the rep for all black people. Am I wrong about that? Um, I think you're absolutely right. And I think it was because there are black celebrities that were really hard on us. Right. Telling us how to do it and what we should do and shouldn't do. And we just always felt that we should be allowed as a generation, because it is art, we should be allowed as a generation to find our way and not be spanked so much for don't do this and don't do that. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay, which brings us, will you just disabuse people of that Farrakhan thing? Because people go, you know, he had the show and then he started getting too greasy and had Farrakhan on and the white man was da 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 yeah. Uh, what, what should I? Uh, oh. No, what What was the story is that you had, you oh. were unhappy, so oh, you had oh, Farrakhan oh. on to, like, fuck with white people. Oh. But I've heard you say that that's not true. Yeah, I, you know what? Um, Farrakhan was a lot like many bookings where you deal with it out of curiosity. Keep in mind, my partner in the creation of the Arsenio Hall show was a Jewish woman. So we're not thinking we're doing it for any reasons that. I'm sure some people would assume. I mean, I was part of a two-headed beast, and my sensibilities were me and her. Um, I met Louis Farrakhan at a restaurant, and he told me about the Million Man March. He was eating a BLT, correct? He actually <laughs> was. <laughs> you know what? I think I'll just let you have that joke all on your own. <laughs> I was just Don't about, it. You know I was just about to tag was. it no, because I'm no, a comedian. Leave it. Leave it. Uh, and that's what we do. Uh, we had a conversation, and he told me about some stuff that I thought would be interesting in an interview. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not so much. Uh. <laughs> but, but the bottom line is, uh, yeah, me and my producer wanted to do someone that we thought would be interesting. 
So it wasn't, there was no, you weren't unhappy, you didn't do it to thumb your nose up at white people, you weren't having problems with Paramount, no, you weren't having and, problems. And can I, tell you, can I tell you something even more interesting? I had resigned from the show by the time I put Farrakhan on. Yeah, why did you resign? I just thought <laughs> that I should do some other things in my life. I thought I came to Hollywood because you don't punch a clock and do the same thing every day like some of my relatives did. I was a different cat. I wanted to come to Hollywood and have a life full of more diversity. Now I've been doing this show for a few years. I'm thinking, maybe I do want to do some acting now and some other things. And don't forget, I'm the comic who never got to do his HBO special. Right. Never got to tour. Now I'm famous enough to do these things. It just happened that what I thought I left for wasn't the reason I left. And once I was gone, I felt the void in my life was personal and not professional. But I initially left because I wanted to do some things that working on a talk show every night wouldn't allow you to do. Uh, I wrote a letter to a development person at Paramount named Carrie McCluggage, and it was just basically, I'm from Cleveland, man. I don't know how to do it. I wrote a resignation letter like it was fucking Kmart. You know, I wrote a letter saying, I'm going to move on. He had me come to his office. Did and, you tell uh, anybody beforehand? Did you say, no, like, the no, staff, because I anybody? knew, because you and I have a friend who would have tried to talk me out of it. Mm -hmm. Mark. Yeah. Yeah, he would have tried to talk me out of it. So I did that meeting secretly. And uh, it was literally a meeting I did because I thought there were other things for me to do. How long have you been doing the show? Three and a half, four years? Uh, I did it for five. Okay. And so then, uh, you know, I'm away and I have a kid. This so you do. You retire. Oh, yeah. Show ends. I leave it, and then I realize it's not even about show business. I realize I want to work on my relationship with my girl, hmm. and we had a kid. And um, I had done smart things with my paper, so I was in good shape. It wasn't until I was standing on a set 20 years later with George Lopez that I realized how much I missed it. Or doing a field piece for Leno. And having to be in the guts of The Tonight Show, mm -hmm. looking around and feeling it again. And I realized I was missing it. But I didn't say anything to anybody until one night at Ron Burkle's house. Mm -hmm. We're hanging at Ron Burkle's house, who is a guy we all know, very wealthy, billionaire, billionaire supermarket magnet. Yeah. Um, like showbiz people. Like yeah. show folk. Yeah. yeah. If you get rich enough, everybody, listeners, if you <laughs> get rich enough, you can just get famous people to hang out with you. They'll just... Hang they out. just they'll just hang out. If you have a nice house and bring some bitches, yes, showbiz people will be there. But the operative word is bitches now. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> you got apples, green bitches. apples, and pussy now. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you retired, and it, you didn't have any like no one stood in your way. No one, it, you just of, retired because you felt like I just want to do some other stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, and and no one did anything to me. The show was was never it the canceled. thing with Letterman's clearances? Well, well, by the by the way, that's a very inside syndicated thing, right? There was something going on. And it's very complicated. Right. Letterman was about to go to CBS. CBS was my syndicated affiliate, which gave me my power base. If Letterman goes to CBS, now I would have to be all syndicated stations like WOR in Secaucus, New Jersey. Yeah. Um, I didn't think that was a strong enough power base. My agent at that time, who was also Letterman's agent, and doing Letterman's deal said, if you're going to leave, now is the time. Because the power base is about to change drastically. Right. That was Michael Ovitz. Yeah. Um, 
But that always is so inside show business yeah. and hard to explain. Right. But so, it is part of the but story. But it, it's very important. Okay. Because if you look at what I made and the power structure of syndication, a station like WBBM, which is a CBS Chicago station, instead of having that, for example, I might have to be on channel 79 yeah. of You were on a ton of CBS sh- networks. Strong CBS and affiliates. And probably the top 40 cities in the country. And right. then those all, they were like, well, we're going to have Letterman and Letterman 30 right. get to step in. So figure out what you're going to do. Yeah. And for me, it was like, that's going to happen in a year. Let me leave. You know, I, let, let me leave from a position of strength while mm-hmm. I'm on top because I don't know what's going to happen there. Yeah. So I leave. Me and my girl have a kid, and I'm extremely happy. I'm happier than I've ever been. I have a kid. I never thought I'd have a kid. Um, How come you just never thought you would? Yeah. Just I. I think I just I, I didn't think I was. Um, I told Magic on the show tonight that it was babysitting for him and Cookie that made me say, I could do this. You know, I might want to have a kid. And uh, I was very, very happy until my son turned like 13 or 14 and started saying, uh, why don't you drop me off in Seattle? And I walked the rest of the way. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, you don't know. You don't have to take me. You, you're, you're no longer needed. Basically. Yeah. I mean, one time I took my son to Jaden Smith's birthday party. And he said, you can drop me off over. I'm like, hey, I knew them before you. Right. Yeah. Don't give me I'm this the drop me off. I, those are my friends in there. Why do, I'm going to drop you off, and I'm going in the party, and you walk the rest of the way. <laughs> That's awesome. So you had that moment, and I know you got, we got to wrap it up, mm-hmm. but like you had that moment with Lopez. Only because I just saw my assistant start to nod. And she's usually a barometer <laughs> How could you be as to falling whether I'm asleep? boring. You're not being boring. No, you're not. Your it's your assistant. <laughs> it's your assistant doesn't appreciate this is true podcast <laughs> gold. Good this podcast gonna, conversation. This is gonna blow you up, man. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. All right. So uh, finally, um, so you, so you start, so you leave the show. That is an interesting thing because it was the first time you had a what can only be described as a shitload of money. Right. Yeah. And 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 uh, <laughs> I was a little too satisfied. Yeah, yeah, that, because yeah. you know what? I remember. <laughs> yes. uh, you know, um, our friend Mark. Yes. It's our accountant. Yeah. I'm in the by the way, we me and our city have the same accountant. I'm in the junior boys division. <laughs> Go ahead. No, sir. Not now. <laughs> um, Mark took my first check. For a million dollars. Uh huh. And put it in Lucite. Great. Cool show business story. But things were good. Yeah. Things were good. Uh, you know what's fucked up? He didn't do that for me. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't even want to get into it. But he didn't do that for me. But quickly, what, now you've got this new show. Mm-hmm. What do you, Can we talk about what was, it, what was your day-to-day like and when you weren't doing the show? When, when I wasn't did, doing the show. Yeah. Just raising um, it. Yeah. After my son was born, it was incredible because it starts. Do you have any kids? No. Either, okay. It starts off with you just on the floor looking at his skin. Looking at his fat. And um, um, it's the greatest thing in the world because it goes from that to teaching him to throw a ball, shoot a ball, what music is good and bad. Hmm. Right. It's a blank canvas. To, hey, fuck incredible. you, Dad. Drop me off here. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Cut to, uh, Dad, you're going too close to my friend's house. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, my, my, it, my life was really normal. And that was what was cool. My life was sitting, talking to women at Chuck E. Cheese about parenting. Hmm. I always felt like I was um, around a lot of housewives. It's interesting. When you're a dad in that situation, you notice things. First of all, there seemed to be more women every place I was at. 
And also, and they weren't there for you and Eddie. No, not just, at all. Yeah. Every once in a while, though, you put on a old African uh, robe and go go to an abandoned club and just stare at the door. <laughs> Bring hoes to Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> These next twenty hoes are with me. Yes, yes. Like, yes. Um, Let them all in. Let them all, uh, yeah. Hey, don't Let call in. us hoes. We're the mother of no. your son's classmates. No, I'll be in the ball pit. They need me. <laughs> Shut up, ho. No, I know me. Excuse me. <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah. My my life was very normal, and I and I loved being a dad. So I just did it. It was it was bizarre. I think it was so the opposite of what show business was. You're not important. It teaches you um, lessons of of unconditional love, and uh, I had a great great time learning to be a dad and being a dad just things like how, how do you cut a temperature i had no idea yeah you know but i but i loved it i had a, i had a great time doing that and nothing's more bizarre than to be sitting here in this green room that says dog pound on it 20 years later yeah it's amazing yeah life is long isn't it yeah I mean, it's like it's <laughs> yeah. long and it's so we there's so many weird reversals. I didn't expect. I had no idea I would ever host a talk show. I never. I remember sitting, filling in for Piers Morgan, trying to just let my face be seen again, so people remembered me. And I called Magic and Cookie. Yeah. And I said, "Come be my guest," because I'm thinking about coming back to the talk show, and um, you all give me a comfort zone, so I know I can do that interview. And I did it on Piers. By the way, I gotta tell you this. Because when I talked about Ron Burkle, we cut that in. Yeah. We're at Ron Burkle's house. I'm sitting with Diddy, Michael Jackson, Vivica Fox, the kind of people that hang at Ron Burkle's house. Yeah. And I only say that to say how long it took to get actually back on the air because Michael's gone now. Mm-hmm. He was there that night. It took like five years to sell the show and get it back on the air. And it was amazing. Was this learned, before The Apprentice or after The Apprentice? This was after The Well, the interesting thing is. I had sold the show before Apprentice. Wow. But Tribune told me, let's hope you win. You need or, to win. <laughs> yeah, or to get, get out to there. The you, you know, my yeah. thing was like, I just don't want to get fired first. Yeah. And then I was planning on doing a stand-up tour. But when it worked out good at Apprentice, and I ended up being two hours every Sunday night, yeah. prime time, and I'm here to the end, that was the exposure I needed mm. that I was going to try to get touring as a stand-up um but yeah when i signed up for apprentice it was because me and my partners were sitting at dinner and we said okay we got the show we're lining up the stations for syndication you got to get out there and get your face in front of every camera possible and apprentice was a great way to do that Hmm. yeah yeah it was great so so you're uh, yeah okay so so we're sitting we're sitting in that room and it's just weird that it took so long because i think people and and the only reason i'm so adamant about saying this people within the sound of our voices don't give up because it took a long time and i've done it before i've won at this (laughs) yeah you're Mm -hmm. sitting in a hall and it's still (laughs) that's what i was the only reason people know me is because of a talk show yeah and i couldn't sell it right it took me i mean i thought michael would be around by the time I got you on had the him up for the first show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Is huh? that true? Yeah. Well, I just well made that up. you know what? I'm I'm thinking in my mind that night Michael is going to do a walk on that first show. 
Yeah. yeah. Well. He's thinking about that. Well, okay. So, all right. So, what's the difference between the old show and the new show? What is your mentality? And the hard thing about doing something again is how much do I make it like what right. I did? And how much do I vary? And how much? And who? Who are you? And do you change up your style <laughs> yeah, and your yeah. speed? Who are you? <laughs> yeah. Do you, so what do you? What's your take on it? Like, well, what do you? The the the, the quick answer is, um, I am the same Arsenio in a different time, and if I had stayed on the air, my show would evolve and change. The set would change. Um, I would go from Alan Thick to Robin Thick. Right. And that's basically what's going on. I am exactly who I would have been if I had stayed in the game Mm -hmm. and evolved and changed. Like this dog pound, eventually this dog pound would have come out of the showroom and become a green room because I would have said it's time to change that. Okay, so that Um, was the MO. The MO was let's just pretend this is instead of the the re-up, it's the... Right. This is our 5,000th episode of the Arsenio Hall right. Show. Because here's the deal. If I had still been on the air, I slowly would have been introduced on air to social media. Mm-hmm. Hit me a Twitter. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing is there are people on air who have gone to the social media era kicking and screaming. It's interesting to watch people who Absolutely. are there. Some of them don't want it. Right. Um, one of the interesting things about... The our friend Edward show. doesn't seem. Our friend Eddie doesn't oh, seem especially God, interested. Yeah, yeah. He so, made fun of it. Yeah, on and, the show. And, and yeah, Eddie is not crazy about social media. Um, the thing about me is I've always been into that kind of stuff. Yeah, gadgets, technology. Yeah, they call me Inspector Gadget when I was a kid because I would take a part of black and white Emerson TV and put it back together. I, I, I'm into stuff like that. So, and you solve murders. Go ahead. That, that too. That too. Uh, when, when I got involved with the new show, it was perfect for me because all the stuff that guys my age hate, I love. Great. Well, yeah, it's a good thing that you uh, went to that Franklin Ajay show. <laughs> Long story short, thank you, thank Franklin you. Ajay. Thank we you, thank Franklin. Franklin every episode anyway. Yeah, so this right. actually, yeah, he's our sponsor. When this I actually say, worked. I'll see you in 23 hours, that's really code for yeah. thank you, Franklin. <laughs> Yeah, when you this the thing the the thing that was a tribute to the finger thing was a yeah, tribute to ab, and and if you if if you do a freeze frame of the finger, I have drawn a photo of Franklin on my actually <laughs> you know how you can see Jesus in a potato chip you see that a lot of people think I slam my finger in a door that's Franklin no, no that that's not. if you look closely at that that's Franklin in my thumbnail that's not a bruise not picking that's up his Franklin. phone when yes, you move yes, yes. <laughs> this is Franklin like this. This uh, motherfucker. Uh, well, thank you, man. Yo, thank man. You thanks. Much, appreciate bro. it. Really, I don't I know hope... what y'all going to do with all this shit. Nothing. This is it's, an this... editing nightmare. No, it's no, not. No editing, the man. thing about podcasts oh, is... Okay. No, we don't... The thing about podcasts is they just, people just like... People will listen to this whole thing. Like, yeah. this oh, is yeah. the future. Like, oh, what everybody's this little now. shit, uh-huh. we've had three million downloads. Wow. Of this. Yeah. Literally of this. I did one of these with Corolla and one with Pendulette. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are those good ones? Yeah. yeah. They're great. Corolla's okay. a top comedy one, I think. Yeah, exists. he probably yeah. gets he gets a lot. Yeah. Yeah, he's big. But no, that's like this is like it's all smaller, it's all more personal. That's the shit. Yeah, man. And uh you're smart, brother. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, can oh, I tell you something, oh, brother? You're smart, homie. Yeah, this, uh, oh, no. This is the way, nigga. <laughs> <laughs> Thank uh, you, man. Wait, 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 wait. Oh, never. <laughs> no, nigga. I don't want a piece of the pie. I want the recipe. <laughs> 
Arsenio Hall, thank you very much, man. Now you're fucking with the champs. I didn't have diamonds in my chain. That Chevy horn sounded like a train. You made a movie. And I was so proud of my address. Repping Ridge Road deep down. Photos on the Chevy. Drinking Crown Royal.